I'm excited to get through this chapter with you guys this morning. There's a little bit of homework I want to assign at the end of our study. And if I forget to make an assignment, would you guys please remind me? You're probably thinking, whatever, I don't want homework. (laughs) I've been done with school for a while, Pastor. You're crazy. It's good homework. It's needed homework. Um, Yeah, let's jump in. This morning I entitled the message on eagles, wings. How many of you guys are fascinated by eagles? Yeah, I love them. I don't know, I grew up here in the valley, but have you guys noticed we have a lot more eagles than we did 20, 30, 40 years ago? Uh, There was one time we were serving at the pantry on the back dock there. People drive through to pick up their food. And there was one uh, Wednesday afternoon, we counted 18 eagles at one time flying together. I'd never seen anything like that. But just fascinated by that. And as we're going to see this morning, uh, the Lord declares um, in verse 4, that he is bore us, you, on eagle's wings. And we get to consider that. But before we do that, why don't we pray and just ask God to bless his word. That is our desire, God. We know your word is live. It's powerful. We need ears to hear. Would you give us understanding? God, may our faith grow today. And may we be changed uh, just for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So let's take a look at Exodus 19 this morning. Um, Before we read, I want you guys to catch that this is the arrival, okay, of the children of Israel to Sinai. They've been camping out for a while. God's delivered them from Egypt, a picture of the world, the bad king there, Pharaoh. Um, Now he has set them free. They've crossed over, and they've been camping out. And we read over the last few months, they're camping here, they're camping there. They finally arrive here at Sinai, which is a really big deal for the children of Israel, and we'll find out why this morning. But they're going to be camping here for 11 months. And you guys ever go camping for 11 months? No, 11 days is too much, okay? (laughs) They're here for 11 months, and this is where they'll meet with God and receive the law and God's instructions concerning the priesthood, sacrifices, offerings, and a lot concerning the tabernacle. Now, are you guys pretty familiar with that stuff? Raise your hand if you studied that. Well, as we go through the scriptures, quite a few of you guys, but we're going to keep diving into this and the importance. I want you guys to remember, guys, everything comes back to Jesus. It is about him. Also, we're going to see before Israel leaves Sinai, uh, they have everything that is needed to be functioning as a nation except for the land itself. God's given them everything to have a national identity, and that's what we find here in chapter 19. Also, with the giving of the law, it really informs them how to approach God and to live with their fellow citizens. And it was, in effect, guys, the national constitution that was designed for Israel's uh, theocratic uh, kingdom, okay? It's providing Israel this national and spiritual identity, So if Egypt was their coming out, Sinai guys here would be their coming in. So that's where we're at as we jump in. So let's take a look here. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up here on the screen. We'll take a look. Um, Verse 1, it says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, For they had departed from Rephidim, and they had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Those, or sorry, these words are those which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and he called for the elders 
of the people and laid before them all the words that the Lord commanded. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Wow. There's a lot here in these few verses. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but this is the gospel. Do you guys see that here? Take a look in verse four, guys, how he bore us, okay, on eagles' wings and brought us to himself. Is that not the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Look what I did in order that your sins could be forgiven, that you could come into relationship with me. Do you guys know that there is only one Savior and God alone is able to save, right? So there's a blessing there. We're also going to look a little bit into the importance of obedience, which we see in verse 5 here, and we're also going to look at verse 5 and 6 concerning a blessing. And this order, guys, will never, ever change, okay? God says, I have saved you. (laughs) Now obey me. Not obey me, and then I'll save you. That is completely backwards, okay? That is every religion of the world except for biblical Christianity. So this is past, present, and future. This is a presentation of the gospel. And hey, that's cool. I can see that here, the importance of God's saving grace, the importance of me to obey him and the blessings that come from obeying him. And Do you guys know that's how that works for us? We come to the Lord and we obey him because we know his ways are right. And when we do things his ways, aren't there blessings in it? Absolutely, okay? So as we consider this, guys, and look at the gospel, the question is, do you believe the gospel? And not just do you believe it, okay? Because there's a lot of people that know it, okay, may believe it, but do you actually believe in such a way that you're all in? that you absolutely believe the claims of the gospel because the gospel says that there's only one Savior and there's only one way to heaven and that's through Christ. Do you believe that or not? I hope so. If not, you're not saved. Well, (laughs) who's given you the right to say that? Who's saved and not saved? It's not me saying it. This is what God says. And we have a world, guys, that is trying to figure out what they're to do, what they're to believe. Well, don't all roads lead to heaven? Don't you just have to believe in some God? No, there's one God, one Savior. It's Jesus. Amen? So if you don't believe that, you need to repent. You need to believe. Why? Because God loves you. Now, what I want to camp on for a little bit is on eagles' wings, okay? Fascinated by eagles, but when it's talking about this, what God is declaring for us here in Exodus chapter 19 verse 4 is that salvation is by grace, okay? It's something that he has done, and it's all about what he has done, and that's what we see here in verse 4. So what I did to the Egyptians, he says here, is how and how he bore us up on his wings and has brought us to himself. Do you guys recall what he did to the Egyptians? You guys remember how he humiliated Pharaoh, okay, and all their gods? You guys remember we went through the plagues one by one there and how that spoke to all their different deities and gods, okay? And then he says here, I bore you on eagles' wings. So you didn't fight for your way out of Egypt or you didn't fight our way out of the world. Guys, you understand that he scooped us out. And that's the picture that we get here on eagle's wings it's sheer grace that's what this is speaking to and this fear bird of prey is really an you know a bird of rescue also it's wonderfully portrayed in J.R.R. Tolkien's book The Hobbit how many of you guys have read that okay how many of you guys have seen the movie okay now we know who are readers and who are watchers who's done both all right I love that scene in The Hobbit when the eagles come to rescue them. Isn't that which is one of the coolest scenes? And every time I see that, I think of this passage of Scripture. I'm just like, whoa! That's what God's done for us. We thought we were doomed. This was it. We're going to die. It's finished. It's over. And God comes swooping in. And by his grace, guys, he saves us, right? 
So Moses uses this image in Deuteronomy representing God's protective nature, his tender care, where he hovers over the young. Um, Baby eagles, you guys know what they're called? Eaglets. Man, you guys are smart. Okay. Do you guys know that eaglets hang out for about 100 days in the nest? That's a long time, right? A hundred days. And they are in need. They can't care for themselves. Okay, they need to be fed. They need to be taken care of. But if you were stuck in a little bitty nest for a hundred days, would you get a little antsy? Okay, would you want it out? Would you want to do something, try something? Do you guys know that these little guys, you know, will try to jump out and go for a fly? You know what happens? They can't fly yet. They're willing to try, but it ain't time. And you know what the eagles will do? They'll swoop down and catch them, you know? And it's the coolest thing. And it's just a neat picture here. This is what God's saying he's done for us. We were hopeless, okay? Uh, We needed the help. And he says, and I brought you to myself. Isn't that cool? God caught us and brought him to himself, okay? Did any of you guys get to God by yourself? No, no, Jesus saved you, okay? He's the one who brings us. So the Exodus was not just about Israel getting out of Egypt. It was about getting Israel close to God. That is the point. And do you guys see that? Is that what we're seeing through Exodus? Yeah. So this is also true of salvation. Salvation is never the end in itself, A lot of people come to faith, hey, I've heard the gospel. I believe the gospel. I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. I got eternal life. It's going to be good. I even hear he's making some mansions up there for me. That's going to be pretty rad. Streets of gold and there's a banqueting table. Oh, God knows I like to eat. It's going to be good. And I got my ticket to get there. And a lot of believers just leave it at that. I believe the gospel. I put my faith in Christ, and that's it. That's not the end, guys. You understand there's always something greater, and the greater is God himself. He's the treasure. He's the point of salvation, okay? It's fellowship with him. Hallelujah, right? It's about knowing him. Isn't that eternal life? That you may know God in Jesus Christ whom he sent, John 17, 3. It's fellowship with him. So God delivered them, carried them, saved them for himself. And now God has brought us out. And now he is lifting us up and he's drawing us close. Was that your desire this morning? Hey, I think I'm going to go to Freedom Fellowship this morning. Wonder if pastor's going to preach a good one today. Wonder what worship songs they're going to pick. I hope they're upbeat because I'm kind of tired. I like the beat ones. I hope the heat's on because it's kind of cold. It's fall now. Some of us are like, yeah, I wish the air was on because I chose to wear flannel because it's fall and I'm getting a little warm already. Anyways, we can make it about so many other things, but my prayer is that as you guys, as I come, as we gather together in the name of Jesus, that we're seeking him, that it is all about him. That's the point, and that's his heart. That's his desire. You guys know that he's promised if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And if he's not here with us, if we're not pressing into him, we're wasting our time. This is just a fleshly thing, okay? Let's go back to this. We see salvation by grace in verse 4 call for obedience in verse 5, and then verses 5 and 6, we see the blessing here, and I want to speak to obedience a little bit, okay? Because God desires obedience over sacrifice. You guys know that's what the Bible teaches? Well, don't you see all the things I give? Don't you think (laughs) all the things I do? Okay? He wants us to obey. That's what it's about, okay? In verse 5, it says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Okay, so just as God saved the people of Israel first, then he called them to obey his law. So today, God rescues 
he rescues us from sins. Then he teaches us how to live for his glory. So the blessings, okay? There are blessings that are to be given, and these are future, okay? There are blessings that some of us have entered into, but it's because we've chosen by faith to walk in obedience, okay? We receive those. So there are plans for our future, and they're threefold, okay? You shall be my treasured possession. Okay, you guys see that in verse 5? Among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be, or, or to me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, okay? Put your finger here for a second. Turn to the first chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation, with me. You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, Revelation chapter 1, oh, it's so good. Let's just pick it up in verse 4 for a little bit of context here. John said to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him, or from him who is and who was and who is to come in the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood, and catch verse 6, guys, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So Exodus tells us, I will make you kings and priests. But because Jesus came, died on that cross, rose again, he has made us who believe on him, believe the gospel. We are priests and kings. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? That should change the way we live, don't you think? If this is truth, if this is who we are in Christ, you guys understand how important identity is? The world's looking for identity. It's become very perverse. What matters is what We've been created for by our creator. And God, he's the one who gets to say what our identity is to be. And that's the most important thing. But how many of us seek our identity in him? Not many, because we're a very prideful people. (laughs) I don't care what you think, God. It's about me. Don't you know it's about my kingdom and what I want? We need to be careful. But I think the cool part here, when it speaks of God's treasure and catch this, guys, this is one of the highest titles that anyone could possibly be given. The Hebrew word is segala. It indicates a royal property. So it's the most prized possession in a king's personal treasury. I think of David. You guys can jot down 1 Chronicles 29.3. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God, and I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. It's pretty cool, huh? But wait a minute, I'm building my kingdom. (laughs) That's what I treasure the most. And this is one of these things, guys, If we truly treasure Christ the most, where your heart is, or your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be, okay? We also are told here that we're a kingdom of priests. So that means every single person in the kingdom is called to serve um, and to worship God. Isn't that cool? Well, I thought that was your job, Pastor. And isn't the worship team, aren't they the ones to do the worshiping? No, no. We are all called. You guys get this? We're all called to serve our king and to worship him. And what a privilege. So a nation or a people set apart, holy to God, and dedicated to service uh, in his service and in serving him in all of our life. So Israel was not chosen or was chosen not only from the nations, but also for the nations. All people on the earth shall be blessed through you, we're told, right? Isn't that back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3? God chose them, a special people, for a purpose. Wow. Here in the West, we like to think individualistically often. It's all about me. The corporate mentality, 
We don't run that way, but we need to. You guys know that's how God looks at us. We are the body of Christ, okay? One body, many members, many parts, but we are one. We are to be together, but the problem is so much of the church today, (laughs) they have forsaken the assembling together. They're not gathering with other believers. They're not worshiping together. There's other priorities. There's other things going on, but this is something that God has called us to, to be a blessing in that way. As we were praying this morning uh, upstairs before service, which all you guys are welcome to join us at 9 a.m. every Sunday, uh, we were praying and just speaking a little bit to that, just the reality of a nation okay, that is very rebellious to God in his ways and what he says, you know? And it's one of those things, it's just like there's a a need for repentance. Some of you guys would say, yeah, we definitely as a nation, as a people, need to repent. But there's a big problem because the church is not willing to repent. I mean, there's sin in the camp, guys. If the church can't repent, how can we expect this nation to repent? If my people are called by myself or by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Wow. <laughs> Humility, repentance, that's, that's what should mark us as believers, but it's something that we're not finding. You know, if my people will pray, why will no one show up for a prayer service? My house should be a house of prayer. <laughs> okay? And then we sit here and we point the finger, how dare this world Okay, I would say, hey, how dare us, the church, okay? Judgment starts in the house of God, we're told. Are we doing corporately, okay? And you may be doing what you need to be doing. You're on your knees, you're in your prayer closet, you've repented from your wicked ways, you're walking uprightly. Praise God, thank you, brother and sister, for doing that. But again, it's not about just you. Do you guys see this? God looks at his church, Okay? It's a corporate thing. And that's why we all need to be doing our part. It's not just for the select, super special, holy ones. Do you guys know that the least of you who believe in Christ are holy? That's who you are. You are a royal priesthood. Live like it. That's what God's called us to. Well, that's a little heavy, Pastor. That's biblical truth. Am I making this up or is this what the scriptures is laying out for us? It's a corporate thing. We're in this together. We're family. You guys understand that? We're family. Family sticks together. Even if you're one of the turdy ones in the family, guess what? You're still family and we're still there for you and we're gonna love you. You know, just make our job a little easier. Or vice versa. If I'm being a turdy one, come spake my butt. (laughs) Say, bro, get it together anyways do you guys know that Peter took the words of Moses here very seriously and then he applied them directly to the church of Jesus Christ you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God look here 1 Peter 2 9 he says but you speaking to believers you are chosen okay a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation, his own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a privilege. Would you guys say, what? That's awesome. Do you guys not know that you are ambassadors for the kingdom of God? That's who you are in Christ. And we get to go and beseech this world to be reconciled to God. That's what we're called to do. And are we doing it? We the church. It's been quite a long time since I've had someone come up to me and worry about my salvation. Actually cared. Hey dude, do you know Jesus? Have you heard the gospel? Do you know if you're going to heaven? When's the last time somebody came up to you just randomly to share the gospel with you? Kind of sad, we live in a Christian nation. Don't you think that would be happening? A lot of us watch the news every day. Some of us choose not to and 
have a little more peace than others. Well, when's the last time you turned on the television and you got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hey, here's some good news. It ain't happening, guys. What's going on? If it's not happening to you, guess what? It's probably not happening to your neighbor. Do you guys agree? It's not happening. But what are we told here by Peter? You're chosen for a purpose, right? (laughs) Go and declare, proclaim the goodness of God, his praises to the world. You know, and it's cool. I love it. Okay, people are driving by this morning, and they see a bunch of cars in the parking lot. Oh, people do worship God. Look at all of them. That's cool. But our car is sitting in a parking lot one day a week. Is that going to proclaim the good news to anybody? <laughs> no, no. How are they going to hear unless we actually go preach? They need to hear. Well, I love my neighbors. I love them real good. You guys know that we can love people right into hell? Do you know that? We can love people all day long. Serve them like crazy. But are you going to love them enough to tell them the truth? That they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And there's good news because I know the Savior. And I know he wants to know you and to forgive you and to save you. What a privilege we have, guys. Don't let Satan rip you off from that privilege. Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. I got stuff. We all got stuff, guys. The whole world has stuff. But we have the privilege in the midst of the stuff to be set apart for a purpose from God. So, yeah, you guys are seeing the evangelistic heart of your pastor come out. Okay? Why? Because that's our mission, guys. That's why we're here. Why hasn't the Lord returned? Why hasn't he taken us home? Does he not see how bad things are in the world? Yeah. But he is long-suffering. He is full of compassion, desiring none to perish. People are getting saved today. Isn't that cool? Maybe someone here today is going to finally bow the knee. I believe the gospel. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm willing to repent and trust him with my life. Whoo, that'd be cool. So, um, we need to move on. I heard the guy preaching last week preach for an hour and a half. (laughs) Pray for that guy. (laughs) Let's read here, Exodus 19, picking it up in verse nine now. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that people may hear when, you spe- when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai. And do you guys remember on the third day when Jesus rose? (laughs) Here on the third day, we have God coming down, okay? Um, In the sight of all the people. Verse 12, you should set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. And whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Whoo! Verse 13. Now a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast, and he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses, he went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. And then verse 16 says, then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp, they trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace 
and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by the voice. And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Wow. We are in deep denial of how bad we really are. That's what I think when I read this. Christians know things like, I'm the chief of sinners, right? But we still believe to some degree that we can look in the mirror and think, hey, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I've been going to church. I haven't shared Jesus with somebody this week. We still have a self-image that's largely based on our virtue. But we really, if we really knew, guys, how sinful we were, we'd probably die, okay? We would have to, as Timothy Keller calls it, a self-quake, okay? To have a realization of what's true. So, See, when you read certain things in Scripture, you want to you know, you run. You want to take cover. In other words, the Sermon on the Mount. How many of us enjoy that, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Woo-hoo! I've even tried to memorize that. This is a sermon by Jesus. It is good. But what does it tell us? If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Well, wait a minute. I've never committed adultery. I've never cheated on my spouse, but I've looked, right? If you have anger, it's murder. You guys, you know what Sermon on the Mount I'm talking about, right? Didn't Jesus say those things? Yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said this, if anyone read the Sermon on the Mount with an open mind, they would fall down and cry out, God save me from the Sermon on the Mount. Because what you're experiencing without the thunder and the lightning is the holiness of God. Lewis said this, an impersonal God, well and good. A subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us, a vast power which can tap best of all, but God himself, alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at infinite speed, the hunter, king, husband, that is quite another matter. Perspective matters, guys. See, according to verse 16 here, I want us to note, he also comes in the thick of the cloud. Did you guys see that? Why this big, thick cloud? Have you guys seen thick cloud before? Can't see through it, okay? It's thick. What's in there, okay? Is there an alien ship hiding in there? Like, what's in there? (laughs) You guys understand the thickness that we're talking about here? You don't know what's going on inside there. So the cloud that surrounds God's presence here is his divine glory, okay? But they also hide it. This cloud is able to hide it. You guys remember what Moses asked of the Lord later in Exodus? I think it's 32 or 33. Lord, show me your glory. Woohoo! That's cool. How many of you guys want to see the glory of the Lord? Yeah, me too. Okay, can't wait to see him in that way. It's going to be awesome. Anyways, what did God say to Moses? <laughs> if you saw my glory, you would die. So he put him in the cleft of the rock, right? He says, I'll pass by you. You can see my butt, like my after effects. That's kind of what, you know, you can see the after effects of who I am as I pass by. And just the after effects of God's glory made his face shine like crazy, right? So here, God's glory is there, okay? His people are there at the base of the mountain, okay? He has come down to be near his people. But the fullness of who he is, his glory has to be hidden. Otherwise, they would die. 
Yes, God is actually impossible to bear, and yet he is shrouding, not abandoning or diminishing his glory at all. You see, he could have, you know, made himself in such a way to live among his uh, people, okay? You consider the grace uh, that he has for his people to them, even with his presence here, which is really an awful holiness, would otherwise spell their destruction, okay? Alec Motor said that. So God is saying, I still want you to be in my life, and I know we have a problem, but how can such a holy God dwell with sinful mankind? That's the question. He is holy, 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 completely other, sinless, perfect, okay? Can't dwell with sin. Can't happen, right? So we have here, it's a fire and a cloud. He wants holiness and justice and truth and to hold us in his arms. So how is that going to happen? That's the question. How is it going to happen? There has to be a mediator. So let's go on. I want you guys to consider here. Uh, well, actually, before we move on, okay? Whoever touches the mountain shall surely die, okay? God's taking this very serious. I am holy, okay? He also says, wash your clothes. You guys know that we are to put off the old and put on Christ? Important, wash our clothes. Now, God doesn't care really what we wear. Do you understand that? Some of you guys might be like, if you're visiting here, we're glad you're here. But the pastor here once in a while will wear flannel, especially if it's fall now. <laughs> okay? God cares about our hearts. Okay? Yeah, we can make things look good on the outside, but he cares. Are we clean? <laughs> Are we ready? He cares about the heart. Okay? That's what he sees. Um, also, when he says here, do not come near your wives, okay? Um, that's talking about sex here. And you guys recall biblically, when are we to abstain from having sex with our spouses? Only when we're given to what? Fasting and prayer. That's what we're taught. It has to be agreed on by both spouses. And if you're going to take a break, it is to seek the Lord. That is it. Um, in the fire. Whoo! Is that a cool graphic? Showed that to one of my kids. They're like, Dad, that's dorky. I'm getting old, I guess. Anyways. Um, yeah. We're studying the Holy Spirit in Corinthians. We began to touch on that last week, okay? Um, on the day of Pentecost, okay? They were baptized in the Spirit, and what came upon their heads? Flame of fire, right? Okay. Here we're seeing Mount Sinai. God comes down in what? Fire consumes the top of the mountain, right? <laughs> okay. So there's a fire there. And I think it's really cool because judgment comes, okay? And as a result of judgment here at Sinai, okay, there's going to be 3,000 people that end up dying because of disobedience. 3,000. Okay, we're going to get there. But I think it's really cool because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon, the Gospels preach, and how many people got saved that day? 3,000. There's so many parallels between what's going on here in Sinai and what happened there on Pentecost in the reality of the Gospel. It's a beautiful picture. I don't know how people can study this, read the Old Testament, especially the Jewish people, and not see the reality of the Gospel and who Jesus is I'd love to speak more to that, but we're not going to go an hour and a half today. I got 20 minutes. I'm actually watching the clock today. Seriously, guys, last week I looked and I'm like, oh, it might be getting close to 11. It was already 20 after. I'm like, what? <laughs> you got to be kidding. Anyways, hopefully you guys didn't feel like it was long. Um, oh, and one last thing I want to point out out of here before we move on. Uh, verse 19, you guys see where it talks about the blast of the trumpet? It sounded long, it became louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him with a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai and on the top of the mountain, the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain 
And Moses went up. Kind of like a picture of the rapture, if you ask me, right? Isn't the trump of God going to sound? He's going to come down and we're going to be called up. Hmm, pretty cool. The rapture's nowhere in the Bible. Exodus 19.21. It's all over. If you guys actually study the Bible, there's so many neat pictures of the rapture. Anyways. Um, the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. So lines were being drawn around the mountain. You do not pass this line. God is holy. You are sinful. Okay, you cross this line, the presence of the Lord, you will die. Okay, verse 24. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses, he went down to the people, and he spoke to them. So Moses, go down to be their mediator. You guys see what's going on here? I'm going to speak, okay? And you're going to be the mediator between me and my people. So Moses is the man of the mountain. Moses goes down. Moses will warn them, and Moses will keep them from perishing, okay? Now I want us to read from the book of Hebrews together, chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 18, and then 22 to 24, and it really lets us in on Jesus being our what? Mediator, right? Okay? I think this is so cool. Take a look here with me at verse 18. You have not come to a physical mountain. What? Wait a minute. This kind of sounds like what we're reading about here in Exodus 19, right? Exactly. Here's the point. To a place of flaming fire, of darkness. The writer of Hebrews is making a connection here for you and I as believers in the importance of Jesus being our mediator, okay? And making the contrast from Mount Sinai here. Okay? of darkness and gloom and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. Now jump down to verse 22. No, you have come to the mountain of Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. And you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. And you have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been perfect or made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. Okay? Jesus is our mediator. And sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of of Abel. What a contrast, huh? Man, Abel's blood cries out. You have murdered. You have sinned. But the blood of Jesus says what? Your sin can be forgiven. Wow. Why? Because we have Christ, our mediator. <laughs> Only one way, right, guys? Through him. So Moses kept them from being killed by God, but Jesus kept us by his blood crying out from the cross. Grace, grace. Isn't that so cool to think about? So accept them. Yes, they have sinned, but I have paid their penalty. That is what the blood of Christ is crying out. So what Jesus experienced on the cross was Sinai, guys. Think through this with me. Matthew chapter 27, let's look at verse 45 here. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour, okay? Cloud, right? Darkness. And the verse 50 tells us this, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. He yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple, it was torn from top to bottom, right? Okay? Torn in two, and the earth shook, and the rocks split, so the curtain being torn, guys, 
Okay, in other words, the cloud, the curtain kept the people from being killed by the Shekinah glory of God. And it was behind the curtain that the Shekinah glory dwelt in the temple, correct? You guys know that the priests on the Day of Atonement were allowed to go in there one time a year? And oftentimes, the priests would die. That's why they would tie a rope around his leg, you know, just in case the dude dropped dead, being in the presence of the glory of God, they'd be able to pull him back out, right? So the darkness came down on Jesus. The judgment came down on Jesus. The thundering and the lightning came down on Jesus. Thus, we don't any longer need a veil because the holiness of God has come down and dwells with us. We are the temple now. Aren't we taught that? Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? Wow. Doesn't this blow your minds? This should change everything. This should change the way we pray, the way we live, okay? This should change our holiness. This should change our very character. Let's behold our God. Behold him. The fear of the Lord is for what? Wow, Proverbs, right? You see the, I need a drink of water before I explain all of this because it's pretty deep. The fear of the Lord is really the beginning of a right view of who God is. And that is the most important thing, brother and sister. It's a right view of the holiness of God. It's not the idea of fearing, say, an abusive father or an unhealthy fear of what would make us want to run away from him. It's not the idea of standing before, say, an ocean and you're just in awe of how big and awesome it is. Okay, it's not that. Because that's impersonal correct? Okay. Instead, it's like when Peter first saw uh, the glory in the power of Christ and his response was what? Depart from me, right? I am a sinful man. That's Luke 5, 8. So when you see God for who he is, you would never think of trying to solve your sin problem yourself. That's not what you're going to be thinking. You're going to fall down as dead. Depart, I have no chance. I can't write this wrong. There is such a difference. You are so holy, so other, so beyond. But the true fear of the Lord realizes you can't run from God. And the only option is to run to him. And when you do, you find embracing arms of a loving father. And isn't that the coolest thing? I love you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are so other. You see, the fear of God is incredibly practical. Okay, Proverbs brings it up 13 times, the fear of the Lord. Us men just finished Proverbs this last week at the men's study. What a great study of scripture. And we got to speak to the importance of the fear of the Lord. It is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom isn't just knowledge, but it's knowledge what? Being applied. So it's not just smarts or street smarts or the know-how. It's God-centeredness that shapes everything else in our lives. It's building our life around God. It's taking God more serious than anything else. And this is very practical implications on how we battle with sin. Okay, this is important that we grasp this, guys. How many of you guys are sick of sin? Okay, man, things I don't want to (laughs) do, those are the things I keep doing, okay? There is a real battle between our flesh and spirit. The Bible speaks speaks to that. But we're going to lay down what is the key to overcoming sin, guys. Because if you have accountability groups, guess what? You can lie to them. So you're sinning and now you're sinning more by lying. (laughs) Am I right? 
okay? I'm not against accountability groups. I think they're great, but you got to be honest and vulnerable, right? Also, uh, say you put filters on your computers. Guess what? You figure a hack around those, right? We are sinful people. We often try to manipulate or manage our behaviors, but that's behavior management instead of, and listen, guys, true growth and holiness comes from seeing God for who he really is. That's when you will be changed. Woe is me. True growth and holiness comes from seeing God for who he is. That right there was a the price of admission this morning. But the reality, guys, is he deserves our reverence. Amen? He deserves our respect. Amen? He deserves our obedience. Amen? So don't confuse legalism with obedience. I'm going to say that again because you need to get that. Don't confuse legalism with obedience. Legalism should be rejected, trying to work our way to God. That is anti-gospel. That is another gospel, okay? Those who teach that are accursed, according to the scriptures. We are saved by grace alone. Amen? So, obedience is a good thing that comes from the commands of a gracious father who knows what is best for us. I don't like your ways, God. Kind of a buzzkill, God. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to talk about the homework. I'm going to come back to this thought. But we're going to be starting chapter 20 in a few weeks of Exodus. And we're going to be going through the Ten Commandments together, okay? The Big Ten. Now, I don't know how it's going to look Either we're going to go through all of them in one study or we're going to do one a week for <laughs> 10 weeks. So you guys can be praying that God would speak clearly what would be needed for our church family in that way. But I want you guys to ask yourselves, is it really a buzzkill to obey the commandments of the Lord? Is there anything on here that's actually a bad thing for us? Or are God's laws, his rules actually for our good? It is. It protects us. These are good. I mean, just look at mankind as a whole. What if the world would just do just the 10? Yeah, there's a lot of commandments in the Bible, but if we just took the big 10, would the world be looking a little different? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the reason we don't is because of pride. The reason we don't is because we don't have a right of view of who God is and that he is holy. Okay? If you saw Sinai, <laughs> fire, great cloud, hearing the voice of God himself. Do you guys know the children of Israel actually heard the voice of God? That is pretty awesome. Oh boy, I want to, we can't talk about that. I got five minutes, it's so cool. I'll do a video later this week. Uh, ties into the voice of God in tongues, which we spoke about last week cool connection. Maybe I will talk about it real quick. The rabbi, you guys know that there's rabbinical teachings out there? Okay? These are Jews who have not come to faith in Christ. They're all about the Old Testament. They study the Old Testament. They said when God spoke, he spoke in 70 languages at one time. When he spoke, this is what the rabbis teach. And they taught that there were only 70 languages in the world. So God spoke in a tongue to every single people group. That's what they actually teach when he spoke on Mount Sinai, when he gave the Ten Commandments. That's kind of cool. There's more to it, but that's kind of wrapped up really quickly. Cool. Our homework. That's why I brought this. I'm like, why am I holding this thing? <laughs> we're going to be getting the Ten Commandments, okay? And what I'm asking of you Okay, each one of you guys in your families, your kiddos, grandpa and grandmas, maybe do this with your grandkids. I want us to memorize together the Ten Commandments, each one of them. It is important to hide the word of the Lord. Um, the Bible's version. Okay, my kids go to a Lutheran school and they were asking me on the way here, Finn was holding this on the way to church this morning, my, my little Moses. And, and they're going, he's going through um, confirmation right now. And a lot of churches, Catholics, Lutherans, they combine the first two 
together, and then they divide, thou shall not covet the last one into two. Don't covet your neighbor's wife and don't covet, okay? So they split them up so they kind of get goofy. But this is the way the Bible's laid them out, and this is the way the Jewish people who received the law breaks them down. But anyways, we're going to do it this way because it's the way the Bible and God's people do it, okay? Sound good? So I'll be posting that in our group. Um, That's going to be our homework, memorizing through there. But I want to get back to our point here, okay? We have a gracious father, okay? Um, Coming to him, he knows best, okay? Uh, But more that you understand the fear of the Lord and you actually fear him and see him for who he is, that he is holy, 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 that he is lifted up, okay? Um, You're going to actually get to experience him in a greater way. That's the truth of it. The more we stand in awe of who God truly is, you're going to be in a place of awe in experiencing him. This morning, the first thing I did when I woke up, well, I shouldn't say that. I laid in bed for about a half an hour just going through a bunch of stuff. But when I finally got my cup of coffee and I sat down, grabbed my Bible, and I just read through this chapter, and I was literally in tears because it's one of these things, God, you are so other. You are so awesome and so good, and you are so right. You know, it does bring you to your knees. It does bring you to a place of brokenness in awe of God, and it's a beautiful experience. It's not like, oh, bummer. You know, I'm tripping out and crying because God's so cool. No, that's a cool place to be in, okay? It's good for the soul, and we need to fear God in that way, okay? To fear that we really fear God. He'll be so distant, okay? We won't be able to relate to him. That's a fear some people, hey, I fear God. I'm not even going to be able to get near to him, but it's the opposite biblically, and that's why I'm trying to, are you guys getting this? Is it clear this morning? I want us to get it biblically because when we understand who he declares to be, okay, what his word says, it's going to be the opposite. It's actually going to be (laughs) the person who gets to draw near to him. I don't know about you guys, but there's nothing better than him. There's nothing better than being close to him. And that's why we're called to repent, some people say, I don't like going to a church that talks about repenting of sin. Can't you just tell me I'm loved, that everything's good, and it's all about me and my best life right now? I can tell you that repentance is, I think, the sweetest word in all the Bible. What does Acts 3.19 say? Repent that you may be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. How many of you guys want refreshing? I sure do. I'm emotionally exhausted. Last couple of years have really sucked. My dog diarrheaed in my bedroom last night. Seriously, we're gone for a little while. My door, my dog can open doors. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. The point is, <laughs> there's times we just go through some hard things in life, and isn't isn't it like the only thing that's going to actually satisfy or fulfill is actually being with the Lord, being in his presence? You guys know what I'm talking about? There's nothing better. It's the only thing that's going to satisfy the soul. You know? I like a good cup of coffee, but that doesn't do it. Only Jesus can do it. I can go for beautiful walks. I'm excited the leaves are starting to change colors. Having my God walks in the fall is one of my favorite things. But it's good because I'm with the Lord. I'm in his presence. And I want to encourage you guys, don't look at his repentance as a bad thing. Man, turning from sin, which brings really a wall, a division, separation from our God, whom we know God loves us and wants intimacy and fellowship with us and he's done everything to break that wall down we're called to repent turn from your sin who doesn't want to turn from sin and turn to God that's what repentance is and there is nothing sweeter so I want to encourage you guys as we consider Sinai this morning in Exodus 19 okay let's grasp 
some of the wisdom that God's laid down for you and I and actually live it out. Let's do this. Let's look to Jesus, our mediator, okay, and to enjoy God. We get to do that, guys. We get to enjoy God now and forever, not just when we get there someday, now, okay? He's promised if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He is there. Just turn to him. Amen? And Father, we need help and grace to do so. God, there's nothing for us to do. You've done it all. But we do by faith, Lord, need to enter in to believe your word, to turn to you. I pray that you would grant a great grace to each and every one of these guys here. God, that they would be able to turn to you, to experience you. Help us to have a high view of who you are, a healthy awe of you, the living God, the creator of all things. You are truly holy, 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 completely other. God, we cannot help but fall on our knees and cry out <laughs> like Peter did, God. We're, we're unworthy. <laughs> we are sinful men. But because of what you did, the blood you shed, Lord, you pick us up, God, on eagle's wings. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for doing it all, Lord. Thank you for being who you are. Your ways are right. They are good. We thank you this morning for your word. God, this is good. And corporately speaking, as a church family here, as part of the bride of Christ, your body, would you show us what you would be asking of us? Lord, we want to obey for your glory, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Cool. Love you guys. It is 1059. That's how much I love you.